Welcome to That's Derm Good. I'm Janelle Ball, and I'm excited to bring you thought-provoking conversations about biologics, specialty medications, treatments, and so much more. I'll be chatting with some amazing guests about access, affordability, and advocacy. You're really going to enjoy this show. This episode is sponsored by VC Educators. VC Educators offers in-office training and virtual bio coordinators to create a single point of contact for everything from prior authorizations to prescription acquisition and patient follow-up. To ensure your patients have the access to the medications they need, hire the right team to simplify your dermatology office processes. Visit bceducators.com. That's B-C-E-D-U-C-A-T-O-R-S.com. Patient access is our priority. I am so excited to have you join me today. It is just, it's always amazing to talk to you because you've got so much knowledge. And, you know, with this Advocate Summit, I, girl, I am just so proud of what you have created. And we met on LinkedIn, right? Yes. Yes. (laughs) I think it was a post of, you said a buzzword and I'm like, oh, she gets it. So, you know, you you link, like people say those words, you can never talk to your family about these buzzwords, but you're like, all right, she knows what she's talking about. We've got to be friends. That is so funny. I was thinking the exact same thing. Cause when I try to explain to, you know, my family, even my husband, he's doing better now he's learning and starting to understand what exactly I do. It's funny because he gets excited about it now and he tries to tell people and I'm like, no, no, that's not, that's not right. (laughs) But it's, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> we just went to dinner yesterday and my husband was explaining, he goes, just when I think I got it, just when I think I can explain the Medicare pathways. <laughs> and I try to do this teach back method. And I try to tell you, you know, he was telling the people we were at dinner. He goes, she goes, no, like, this is me. No, that's not, that's not how it works. He's like, well, how do you know to do this, 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 and then you got to go 50 feet that way and then come back to where you were. And so it's just a ever-changing landscape. And as you know, I think ingrained in the coordinator in this work, it's there's these pivotal moments that you're like, okay, I know this is going to go south. This is when I loop in this and this. And, you know, it's just doing it over and over. And there's no rule book on this. Right, right. There's so much to unpack. But first, I want to just introduce you to everybody. Melissa Page, you are the founder of Page Consulting, right? You have a consulting company. <laughs> yeah. So Melissa Page, I started out consulting on my own, right? That was Page Consulting LLC. And then um, ended up creating a new LLC. And this is in partnership with another consulting company, Elizabeth Johnson, the other co-CEO okay. of the event. So then we created, you know, Prescribe Plus. And so Prescribe Plus is the event owner of this conference, right? The Healthcare Advocate Summit, but also we do consulting, team training, uh, education. And it was just a good way that we were kind of both doing two different things, right? I'm very health system focused. I understand that world. She's very independent practices, GPOs. And so how do you reach more people? How do you reach more of these coordinators of these different areas? It's, you know, you got to combine forces. And, you know, meeting people like you, Janelle, and there are so many else out there, we're all just trying to achieve the same thing. And so it's, mm-hmm. if it's not you, then who? And so I'm excited, this podcast and these, all these initiatives that I'm seeing everybody start, if that be biologic coordinator, educators, if that's other areas, you know, these boot camps and things, it's, we just got to continue to cheer each other on 
because at the end of the day, even if every patient has a coordinator or something, we still need help. We still need to lean on each other. So um, absolutely, I'm just, I'm grateful to be here. So thank you, Janelle. But I yes. think from a background perspective, I'm a licensed pharmacy tech that tried everything that I could with this license, uh, made it to a pharmaceutical company uh, in market access, and I loved it. And you know, for personal reasons, I had to step out, but it's the access in the challenges that never change. And that's what your passion is, right? So where do you find mm -hmm. it? How do you find more friends? And I think the conference, it's just a, also a selfish way for me to meet more people. I just, I love people. I love people who have challenges and they're getting told no. And I can tell them how, what I've done in the past to help out. <laughs> yes. So how many years have you been in healthcare industry? I have been in the healthcare industry, I want to say 20 years now. Okay. Wow. So it's an experience. Uh, I actually was a pharmacy technician at Walmart Pharmacy and okay. then moved my way uh, into other different pharmacies, military treatment facilities, Walter Reed, Bethesda, when they used to be separate than the health system. And so I was never really focused on one therapeutic area. The health system, they just throw you a book of this is everybody we treat, figure it out. And then that's where I kind of started drilling down. I helped support our children's hospital, our oncology, dermatology, rheumatology, anything ology, it seemed like. But once I was able to kind of identify like, okay, challenges are the same, but a little bit different. It doesn't matter which therapeutic area you get to kind of bring it together. So I was the 10,000 foot view and then had to drill down into whatever I was dealing with. That's awesome. So then what got you into healthcare anyways? I mean, going through college and all of that, you were always focused on, on healthcare or? I wanted to become a pharmacist is actually what my dream goal was and what I thought I was going to be going down that route. And as I went through, you know, pharmacy school, I just never completed or never went into it. And I found the passion behind, I think, helping people, even when I worked at retail pharmacy, I loved it. I loved the complicated situations you get yourself into. I loved the objection handling conversations. You get people who are so upset about their co-pays. And for me, I'm like, I'm going to make this person smile. We're going to be friends. It taught me how to mirror the patients. It taught me empathy. It taught me that it's never a direct attack at you, right? Especially when you're in those situations, like you feel like you're in a fishbowl that everybody's watching you just cook something back there. And so I think the passion behind healthcare, what I liked is that it's not the same thing every day. And I'll say from an advocacy standpoint, I think for every good advocate or every person who's in this type of role, coordinator, working in hospitals, private practice, there's something in people's lives that drive them to want to do this, a personal story, a family. And that's what I found we've all connected on. Mm -hmm. And so I've got personal stories. I'm sure you do too, Janelle, of, you know, where somebody wasn't helped out in a way and you were able to help them. I mean, overall healthcare, I don't know what else I would be doing. I do do beekeeping. I enjoy that, but probably not as exciting mm -hmm. as, um, <laughs> as healthcare on here, but the questions about that. Right? <laughs> That's you awesome. Know, you want to know where the Healthcare Advocate Summit logo came from? There you go. You got it announced right here. Oh, wow, so, I, I love it. Beekeeping. So that makes so much sense now. Okay. I thought about <laughs> that too. I was like, where do where they got that? But I love yeah. it. 
<laughs> so, okay, and I'll drill a little bit more. My name's Melissa. It means honeybee. I was born in Beeville, Texas. Um, I should probably give away my social security right now because I just gave everything <laughs> else. So <laughs> that is awesome. I love that though. That is so neat. <clears throat> okay, so you were talking about advocate, and you know, we hear that word so often. Just for anybody who is listening that doesn't really really know what an advocate is. Can you kind of touch on that? Yeah. And I think the word advocate can mean, like you said, a lot of different things. We've actually had a lot of questions of what is a healthcare advocate, right? Because I like to throw in the word healthcare. Mm -hmm. And for me, and it may be different for everyone else, but for me, a healthcare advocate is in between that physician, right? All the way to the patient. So whoever is helping in that journey, if that be a family member, if that be somebody in the office, we've got this whole group out there, independent patient healthcare advocates, right? Where they've worked in the health system, but now they're outside supporting. You've got the people inside there. You've got the social workers, the anybody in that journey between that patient and that physician or that treatment provider, whoever that is. That's who I think this healthcare advocate is. Anybody who's helping you along that journey so you can get on treatment, stay on treatment and afford the treatment or the access. And it's not just treatment. It could be medical devices. It could be whatever you need um, that maybe your insurance is either saying no, or they're trying to make it very, very complicating. Um, I know even for me, I went for like my health check that, you know, I, I wanted to make sure my BMI was good. What I need to do for health. My insurance didn't pay. It was all cash pay. I'm like, they don't want me to be healthy. You know, and right. Danelle, I'm sure you receive things and we get the, this is not a bill. And I, I fight people's bills all day long that when I get mine, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, here we go again. Like, and if I'm receiving it, like if they end up screwing up a hundred percent of a hundred percent on just mm -hmm. me, can you imagine everybody else who doesn't understand? Right. So, I have to say, even working in healthcare, I still struggle with looking at like our bills that come in, you know, for our family and it's annoying and it's a daunting experience just trying to deal with that. And like, Oh, not again, they're charging me this, or how do I know it's right? You know, it's just, it's frustrating process. So I can't even imagine patients that are struggling with this on top of struggling with maybe a chronic disease or just anything where they have to get medication that they need. And then they have to worry about the costs and they have to worry about now I've got these bills to pay because I went to the doctor or people that don't want to go to the doctor because they're afraid of getting those bills. Yeah. It's frustrating. Or, or second opinions, right? Well, your insurance pay for second opinions or mm -hmm. people get diagnosed with something or there's a procedure and this is the way we think when we're in healthcare, right? We're like, okay, what quarter are we in? Can it wait till quarter one of next year so I can hit my deductible then? When patients figure out I need this medication and they've got to pay this, it's sticker shock to everybody on what that cost is at the beginning. But I don't think that we're doing a good enough job of educating patients, even when they get insurance or even when you're going into a new employer and getting insurance. Mm -hmm. There's not enough education around what is an accumulator, what is a maximizer. Like they need to know their plans. They can tell all of their employees 
so their employees know how to best set up for their families. And then also just the, the questions of, you know, how are they going to afford and deductibles and there's co-pay programs, there's these things. There are advocates behind these payers, right? But they're not talking about all of these things that we deal with on here or right. the navigation of specialty pharmacy or, hey, guess what? It's actually getting billed under the medical benefit at the specialty pharmacy. So you're mm-hmm. not going to pay until this, you know, it's just, it's confusing. There's no That's- one pathway. And I think for you and others, it's how can we do what we can with the tools that we have to help out the patients. And we can't slam this on them, Janelle. I can't sit down and say, okay, 101 accumulator maximizer, blah, blah, blah. Let me teach you all this. I mean, they're just trying to get their kids' medication. They're trying to figure out how to afford insulin pumps. Um, Do they know about these foundations that help out? It's, you know, everything's so scammy today that you do Google something and, you know, they're taking your information and transferring it to a different country. Right. It's so true. So do you feel like it falls on the provider that's prescribing a medication and the staff to educate the patients? Because then there creates a whole nother training for the office because the office may not know how to educate their patients. The turnaround of these roles of these people who are doing this work in those offices, I have never seen it turn over so quickly that once you get this person into a bio coordinator role, it's overwhelming. And you only know what you know, Janelle. And I remember signing up so many patients for a particular plan, you know, I was like, Oh, this is great. This is a plan that'll cover everything. This is, you know, just with this type of Medicare plan, come to find out two years later, I'm like, Oh, my gosh, that wasn't the right plan for them. But I thought I was helping. And so I think we're all trying to do a good job. But who should help educate who should support Uh, I think at this point, the people who should end up supporting this is pharmaceutical companies, specialty pharmacy. We do a lot of support around commercial, right? A product or um, specialty pharmacy. I haven't seen too many dinners on different things, but they'll take you out to dinner. But the Mm -hmm. education piece on this of how do you set up your coordinator office? What is one role you need to have? And I think everybody's thinking that the front desk person can do it all. And you can't, you know, what's the longest hold time that you've been on the phone, Janelle, trying to get through an insurance? It's probably at least an hour and a half to two hours. Long I'm enough. Sure for me, I've, I've been on the phone for at least two hours. Long enough for me to forget who I was even on the phone for, <laughs> right? I'm in around in my EMR and stuff. I'm like, what company did I just call in? Like you're jamming out to the hold music. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes I had multiple on because I'm like, there's no way, you know, and then I'm right, like, they're not going to answer at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> no, you've got your cell phone on, you've got this, you know, and if funding's open, a foundation, you know, all heck broke loose in our office. So <laughs> we shut down. So trying to enroll, but, you know, so to go back to your question, who's responsible for educating the patient right now? I think if you have an office, or you have a hospital system, you need to invest in those people who are in that office. And -hmm. if that be, you send them somewhere to get trained, you send them to conferences. If you're in dermatology, go to those specific ones. Also the one we host that healthcare advocate summit. It's really overall, you just need to meet your people, right? Cause that's how we're learning. And I think 
Janelle, if you pulled out your phone right now, you probably have every field reimbursement manager. You've got a text group that you can give a payer a challenge and a drug and everybody's like, hey, this is what I would do. This is like, they need to have that phone a friend in that community. And right. so it's our obligation and Janelle, your obligation too, of how do you connect these people um, on there? But we right. need to take that from a standpoint and pharmaceutical companies need to support these initiatives if they can't do it themselves. You know, if right. there's, if they can put that into their budget and everything else that goes along with, you know, the education training, but yeah, the doctor didn't go to school to learn how to read an EOB. So they're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's so true. I, I think knowing who to reach out to, but also utilizing them because for the most part, I really have not met anybody in the healthcare field that has been like, why are you calling me? Why are you asking me these questions about stuff that I work with, you know, that I, what I do. So for the most part, you know, it's, it's reach out to them. Don't feel bad about reaching out and asking questions and knowing who you can utilize as your resources. I think that's so important. You know, I think sometimes we get a little bit nervous about, oh, well, they're probably not going to remember me or they're not going to be able to help me or, you know, whatever, or just being prideful sometimes where I feel like I should know this, but so I'm embarrassed to ask the question. <laughs> yeah. I think it's well, important. you brought up a good point and I'll bring it back to even the people who support the offices, right? The field reimbursement managers. Mm-hmm. How many times have I had FRMs or these roles or key account managers come to me and ask me the landscape, come to mm-hmm. me and ask me a question on, does this work with this? Or how do you navigate that? You know, they, they get in their safe zone. Like we're BFFs now. I know their kids' names they are in my phone. Mm-hmm. And to be able to say, I don't know this and I need more training. It, it's hard. You know, we get in this world where we think we should know, but I'm sorry, everybody needs to be trained on Medicare every single year because they've added a different letter to the alphabet of that plans. You know, honestly, when you ask questions to people, you'll find the communities who care and who want to help. You just need to be able to read people, right? We all want to respect each other. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'm like, I don't want to contact her again. But if people get excited when you call or if they're connecting you with somebody else, right? That's how you know their level of networking is, hey, I should connect you with this. I don't ever want to hoard people because I've got so many people. I want to, you know, there's other people, there's other organizations on there, mm-hmm. on there. So if you don't know, ask, because guess what? I'll be the first one to say, I don't know. And I'll go and find the answer. So we just, mm-hmm. I agree. So now that we're talking about this, it's getting me so excited about the healthcare advocate summit. And so I want to shift and talk a little bit about that. You're one of the co-founders. So you and Elizabeth started the Healthcare Advocate Summit. So who is that for? And why did you guys create this? So this is for any healthcare advocate, right? And (laughs) in between the physician and the patient, and that's everybody supporting the products, back of the pharmaceutical companies, anybody who's in this patient journey, this is who the event is for. And I think you can really look at that from the sessions that we have in the tracks, right? We've grown over the years and Janelle, you know, you've been there since the beginning. This is only our third year and seeing the needs of what these people would like to learn and just the 101, I'll say workshop toolkits, or even understanding what's going on in these health systems are one of our most popular tracks last year is bringing a whole bunch of different health systems and seeing how they set up their organization. 
And then we had a separate track of you've got these independent practices, you know, limited staff, limited budget, limited time on what they were allowed to do. And I think it showed that, you know, hearing other people, what they're doing and their solutions, we all can learn from each other. And I think the greatest thing is this conference allows everybody to listen to everything, right? Mm -hmm. We don't lock out pharma and say, hey, for an extra hundred bucks, we'll let you interact with these people or we'll let you come to the special cocktail hour. That's not where networking happens. Networking happens when you can come to the table and we can all flip around our badges knowing we're here for the patient and we can join these discussions. And so this year we're excited that we have potentially about 80 different sessions over the course of four days, a hundred plus speakers that are joining. We've really got a lot of these panel discussions. So think of, you're going to have these awesome tracks going on. You now have to compete between all of these tracks of what session do you want to listen to? But Mm -hmm. they're passionate about that. You're going to get more engagement. I think starting the conference this way with these smaller discussions Mm -hmm. is only going to liven up the big day that we have of that open forum, then we're interacting in the exhibit hall. It's you got to find your friends first. And Janelle, you've been to a lot of conferences. I haven't showed all the hundreds of badges I've gone to, but networking is where it's at. And so many times I went alone and everybody's staring at your chest, figuring, are we friends? Are we competitor? Where do you work Mm -hmm. with? Should I sell to you? Should we go get drinks? (laughs) And how do you identify these people? And then on Friday, as I'm going out with my suitcases, I'm like, Janelle, I wish I would have met you on day one. I wouldn't have ate alone the past two days. I have to say it is very intimidating when you're there by yourself. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Who do I go to? Well, they work for pharma. They get, you know, 150 bucks a day to go eat somewhere. I'm not getting an invite. Okay. <laughs> but this person kind of looks alone, but maybe there was somebody. It's like, I know I need yeah. to get better at that, you know, and I always joke, Cause my, my dad, he does not know a stranger and he is so good at just engaging in a conversation so quickly. I mean, like you can look at him and then I turn my head and he's like in deep in conversation. And I'm like, how do you do that? Like there's yeah. an art to that. So with the conference, there is three different opportunities. It's you've got your kickoff sessions, which really turned into full sessions. We had so many sessions open. So you got a you know, a couple of sessions on Tuesday. And then we have our like meet and greet right there, right outside of the hall. I don't want to tell you to go to a restaurant 5,000 feet away or at another block because nobody's going to show. You've got to get the people right outside the door. There's a charcuterie board and some drinks and start talking with these people, right? Like start interacting. Then Wednesday, we're going from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. and tracks are turning over every hour. We've got about a two-hour lunch break with some presentations. And then at that night, we're going to be doing the ribbon hall cutting, like the ceremony. Instead of taking this to a restaurant like we did last year, right, which that was fun. I didn't know how many people would show up on that first day. Mm-hmm. We are going to start the engagement in the hall that night. And so now you've got from five to seven, you get to start meeting the exhibitors now, right? You saw them in the rooms for two days. Now you can associate them with the brand that they came here with before mm-hmm. we start our main stage day. And so the next day will be Wednesday that we have all of those education tracks and at night. And so you go in there and that's another opportunity to interact, right? You've got some more friends, maybe some music. 
And the two complaints that we got last year, and I'm very vocal on our complaints because I love them. I don't think they're complaints. They stated that they wanted more time with the exhibitors, which Janelle, which conference do you ever hear that? Like people are throwing pens at you trying to get you to come to their booth. So they want more interaction. And two, they said there was so many good sessions that they couldn't choose and we record all of them. So I'm like, that's great. That means they are finding content that they want. And I'd rather have content that there's too many good sessions than sessions that aren't relevant to me. And I don't feel engaged. So we end up having, you know, the education day and we're there and that exhibit hall time. Now that you've associated the person that you met the first day, now you see who they're with in the brand. Now on Thursday, the hall is right next to the stage. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you have a couple of sessions, then it's exhibit hall time, have a couple of sessions, exhibit hall time. And I know you've been to other conferences too, where they put the exhibit hall on the other side of the building that nobody goes to unless they go to the bathroom. And that's the interaction I think that you need. I mean, if you're a conference producer, provide those opportunities. That's what they want. That's their return on relationships, on investment. And you have this interaction and that's kind of the big party night, which we're going to have there in the hall too. shut down the lights. What can you do with, you know, all this other things? It's like, and that's really the kickoff and the ending of our big kind of main stage. And then on Friday, you had all these touch points. Friday, we get to break out in workshops and work groups with Chanel. You're facilitating one of them. So now yes. you've had the opportunity to meet friends, to go out to New Orleans. Thursday after our big reception, we also did a buyout of the number one karaoke place in the U.S. at Cat's Meow. And I don't know if you went to that last year. No, I did not. (laughs) Well, it's called Cat's Meow and it's right on Bourbon Street. And we bought out the entire place on Thursday night um, for like three hours. And so now you feel comfortable enough to sing in front of each other. So if we get people singing, that's like when they say, hey, what's Melissa, what's your goals at the event? I want to see people on stage because that means they think they're comfortable. You know, and then on Friday, we do those breakouts and have those sessions. And let's talk about career development. Let's talk about you not leaving your job, but how can we help you supplement that? How can we teach you about fair market value and how to pad your resume in a way? How can we provide opportunities for you Mm -hmm. to speak? And Janelle, you've done a lot of consulting and speaking for pharmaceutical companies. A lot of people still don't know how to do that. They don't know how to to get these other income streams that maybe their day-to-day job isn't paying what they would like, but they love it. So that's kind of the whole thing. And as you can tell, I just explained a big old party that I'm just so excited for. And, you know, and we want the feedback too, because we know we can't do it right. And if people ask me, you know, how did you design this? The truth is me and Elizabeth took everything we hated about every other event and brought it in for us where I couldn't find my people. I couldn't find the other people who understood hubs or copay or accumulators. You know, this is an opportunity. And this is also an opportunity for those supporting these people in the hospitals to come show your dedication, show up. Even if you don't say anything, hear the problems and bring it back to your institutions, your companies, your strategy meetings, you're investing in these things. And so it's great. And it's also an opportunity that you meet these people in different therapeutic areas, for example, dermatology, and you say, hey, have you heard about this? Like, how do we keep spreading the message so people can find their communities? Because healthcare, you know, is all over the place, as you know. So 
if you can't tell from my excitement from this, it's what keeps us up at night, it, what keeps us engaging with the attendees um, and also letting them know what else is out there. So we're pumped. We're super excited. From hearing your excitement, I'm just like, yes, I cannot wait to get out there. I want to network now. I want to, I have to get my voice ready for some karaoke. We'll see. I don't know. I can't promise anything. I'm not, I'm not going to say that that's going to happen, but if it does. <laughs> we, we could always turn up the music. People will not even hear anybody. I think it's just the right. presentation. So, but it's getting comfortable and it's finding the community because I think our day-to-day jobs are hard enough. Right now, our biggest challenge from a conference producer is trying to get health systems and facilities to understand why you need to invest in the person who's normally in the basement or in the back office, who's Mm -hmm. calling payers all day long, trying to navigate start forms and hubs and free drug to come and support them to come to this conference. You know why? Because they need friends. They need to feel that they're not alone and Mm -hmm. they need to know who their champions are and who their connections are and that things don't have to be as hard if you have the right point of contacts. And you've learned I'm sure Janelle over the years, I mean, what has your experience been from starting this role to when you were able to get those tools, right? Like walked in, what made you choose to decide to go work in a practice one day or to take on this role? What did you want to be when you grew up? You know, we can start on that. (laughs) Um, Honestly, when I grew up, when I was younger, I went to cosmetology school. I decided that I wanted to do hair. I come from a big family. I have five brothers and three sisters and all my sisters are younger than me. So I grew up doing hair. And so I got really good at it. So I was like, you know what, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do hair for the rest of my life. I'm going to own my own salon, you know, and I started a company where I was doing wedding hair and makeup. So I started a traveling business. Then I was working part-time in a dermatology office. I first was working at a, like a medical spa um, Uh and then kind of really started liking that. So I started, I worked at the front desk and I really enjoyed it. And then I just kind of got thrown in one day, somebody goes, would you like to do the prior authorizations for the biologics? And I'm like, sure, absolutely. You're like, what is that? Like, right. I'm like, what exactly is this entail? And they're like, well, you do a prior authorization. And to help get patients on medication. And that was really it. And they were just like, here's these charts. (laughs) I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to figure this out. And, you know, I was like reaching out to the reps. They were coming in and, you know, I had some really, really good reps and FRMs that came in and just kind of walked me through processes. And you get all these people knocking on your door saying, Hey, use us, you know, use this specialty pharmacy, use that specialty pharmacy, and we can do everything for you. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. I need to learn the process first before somebody like, I don't even know who to use, when to use, what, how to use it. I was so determined to make sure that I could figure out how to do the whole thing from start to finish. And I just became really passionate about it. And I was seeing, you know, the result of that, of patients coming back in and happy. 
I have one memory of a patient where I remember calling her and, you know, I'm my normal bubbly self and I call her and I'm like, Hey, how are you doing? And she's like, I am not good. Like completely shut me down. And I felt terrible for being excited on the phone to talk to her. And, you know, she was just going through a miserable time with her psoriasis and was frustrated because nothing was working and, you know, just in pain. So we ended up getting her on a bunch of different things. We finally found something that worked. And I remember calling her back again and I was like, okay, I need to brace myself. I can't. Yeah. You're like, okay, let's tone it down. Right. Tone it down (laughs) for sure. And so I did. And I was like, how are things going? And she was like, I am so, so thankful for you helping me. And she was so excited. She was like, we were outside walking and you know, went here with my son and just tell me all the things that she was doing that she was able to do. Able to have a quality of life is yes. what I'm hearing. Yeah. It makes such a huge impact, not only on her, but on me. And it just really excited me about what it is that I do and why I spend countless hours on the phone or on the computer. <laughs> and now I work remotely. So it's hard to shut things off. So it's like, wait, one more PA, I got to get this done. I want to make sure patients are, you know, getting their medications. There's, there's never an ending time. And I think for us, you know, working in there and Janelle, that's just one story. And I think those are the tidbits that you need. And when you get those patients, there is a quality of life that's being impacted in some way. And that's the the hardest part about their life right there of what you're dealing with and regardless of the therapeutic area. And it all has down to the same thing, barriers to care. And if that be the payers, if that be, how do they get there? How do they afford things on there? Story is I'm like, oh my gosh, Janelle can come traveling and make the whole conference beautiful when she's there. So <laughs> yeah. but no wonder your hair always looks good. So <laughs> thank <amazing>. you. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Yeah. You know, it's definitely been something that I was not expecting to jump into, but quickly became a really huge passion and, you know, and then being able to meet people like yourself and be able to have conversations like this, to talk about this and to bring awareness to other people. I mean, that's, that's what I'm really passionate about now as well is helping other people, helping educate people that are working in healthcare, that are helping, that are advocating for their patients, you know, continuing to fuel that fire of passion that we have for what we do, because there's so much stress and downside of fighting with the insurance. And it's so easy to quickly get burnout with this role, I feel like. And that's probably why there's so much turnover, you know, in offices, they get piled on so much work and they can't really handle it. They don't know how to handle it because they haven't been given the proper tools to be able to do what it is that they were passionate about, what they actually came to that role for. And, you know, that's one thing that I really want to see change, you know, that shift in that healthcare where we're able to really help our patients and navigate that so that they're getting the best quality of life. And, you know, and I love that the Healthcare Advocate Summit really focuses on that and brings that awareness. And so I'm, I'm really excited to be able to talk to you today. And I'm sure this is going to be a great summit this year. We're just at the starting line, Janelle. Yeah. I think people are able to find communities such as this podcast and other initiatives and the biologic educators and these other 
companies and nonprofits that are starting. And this is what was not there for us 10 years ago when we did this, when we started these roles. And so it's our obligation to make sure that we can make it a little bit easier. Somebody shouldn't have to wait 10 years to finally figure out that having a field reimbursement manager or letting these people from pharmaceutical companies or specialty pharmacy through your door and Mm -hmm. that they can help with things. And if they can't, then you let them know. I think the scariest office to walk into is when they say, hey, we don't need your help. We're doing okay. Nobody's doing okay. That means you just haven't built the rapport. So I just want to thank you for, you know, inviting me on here. I was excited to see the, the invite and see where this goes. Yes, absolutely. But yes, thank you so much. And I'm sure we will talk soon. Perfect. We'll do a part two after we're up on stage and we see you. And then we'll say like, you know, here's the beginning. And then what are some things and thoughts after? But thank you, Janelle. For sure. For sure. All right. Thanks for spending a few minutes with me and listening to That's Derm Good. You can expect new episodes of That's Derm Good every other week. The podcast is available on your favorite app, including where you're listening right now. Subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a new episode. Bye.